Welcome to Thriving in Business and Life. I'm Christopher Harding. And I'm Will Wilkinson. Welcome to the program. Hey, Will. So we're going to dive into a topic today that is really one of your specialties. It is the process of visioning. This is one of my favorite modules in our program. And I was just saying to you before we started the show how disappointing it is to be listening to great information, uh, like I was in a workshop last night, that's so poorly presented because they forget to lead with vision. So we're going to get into the, the depths of what that means on the show today. Well, so that's a, that's an interesting place to start, maybe, is that we've talked about before that, that a lot of times the standard mode of operation, you could say, is problem-solution. Right. Identify the problem right. and come up with a solution. And you're proposing something different than that. Exactly. That is the old paradigm, and it's very strong, but so were dinosaurs. And when they <laughs> ended, they were gone. So this old paradigm problem-solution means that we tend to see life as a problem that needs solving. Right, right. And that immediately flings us into a very mental zone of trying to figure out what to do. Now, when we experiment with a very different paradigm, which we describe as vision navigation, we start at a different place. We don't start with the problem. Now, we're not ignoring the problems. We'll, we'll get to those. But we're starting with identifying what do we want? What is our vision? That's the starting point. Well, so great segue really into uh, an initial topic that we cover in the, in the online course and, and in our book um, about thriving. And that is that a lot of times people are very well aware of a problem and, and what they want is to fix the problem. Right, they want to put out the fire. Right, versus what you're saying is, is what's the vision you have? What's the, maybe the outcome? What is it you'd like to create? What is it you're hoping this will turn into? Exactly, exactly. And, and one of the simple examples I use is going on a trip. You know, if I'm going on a road trip, I could get all involved in the potential problems. What if we run out of gas on a stretch where there's no gas stations? What if we get hungry and there's no restaurants? Now we need to remember to pack this, our passports if we're going to another country. Well, do we know where we're going? <laughs> it kind of yeah. matters to know that I'm going to Chicago or I'm going to London. And so often we don't pay enough attention early on to what we want. In this case, I'm comparing that to knowing our destination. Right. So, and in, in I've experienced this myself. Um, I know you probably have too, and I certainly experience it with clients, that sometimes we know what we don't want. Right. Right. We're very clear on what we don't want, not as clear on what we do want. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think in our culture, there's almost a taboo about being really honest about what you want. We've got a friend, and my wife and I always chuckle when we come home from their home. We've been there for a party because this woman knows what she wants, and she has no hesitation to state it clearly. And we really admire that because she's a rare breed. Well, it's, it's interesting. I was just in a, in a meeting and we were talking about um, how a lot of times our identity is wrapped around who we think we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what I'm supposed to want is this, that, or the other versus yeah. what I really want. And yeah. You know, we talked last week about values and how sometimes we're operating out of a borrowed value system, which makes it difficult to even get clear on what we yes. want. So assuming that we've identified our values and we know what really does light us up, the next question I could be, and therefore, what do I want? Well, exactly. And there's a certain seduction 
that occurs relative to things that we feel strongly about. So for instance, uh, a person is presenting information that they feel passionate about. If they don't pause before they begin to ask the question, what do I want here? What's the result I'm hoping for? They will kind of slip into their default setting, which is to be kind of evangelical about what they're talking about, because they really care about it. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but what is the response of those listening to them going to be? Well, now that, yeah, that's interesting. And so I'm really passionate about something, and I'm going to present, uh, make a case for it, you could say. And the question is, what is the result I hope to get? What do I want? What do I? What am I hoping people do? And then I could come back and ask the question. Yes. Well, given that that this is what I want or need, how could I go about it? This is where the navigation part comes in, right? How right. could I go about it in a way that creates the greatest likelihood that that's going to happen? Well, you know, we're, we are articulating a key communication success tool right here. Because when I am communicating something that I feel passionate about, but I haven't been clear about the outcome that I want with who I'm communicating with, I'm only giving them two options. Agree with what I'm saying or disagree. <laughs> That's not the point. The communication is supposed to lead us somewhere. So if I take the time to get clear on what I want, well, I'd like these people to go to this website and sign up. I would like people to understand some particular issue. I'd like to inspire people to do this or that. That will change how I present my information and give them a wider menu of options. Well, as you're saying that, one of the things uh, in this particular chapter of our book and the corresponding online course module is about putting vision first. And this yeah. is what you're saying is put vision first so that you get real clear on what you want and then you'll better know how to get there. Now, the other part of that is, is I have to know where I am. Yes. Yeah, in any journey, there's those two things you need, you know, where you're going, but also where you're starting. Any of us who've been in a mall, you know, with like a thousand stores, appreciate those little maps that <laughs> you are say, here. you are here. Yeah. Now, yeah. I've seen some that don't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> the sticker fell off or whatever. So you look at it and you go, okay, there's where I want to go. It's A16. But where am I now? <laughs> right, so this is right. the other part of using vision as a tool. Well, so, you know, if, if, if I think about, okay, I've got, I've got a goal in mind. I, I get clear, okay, this is what I want. Here's the outcome I'm looking for. There's a, there's a process you talk about. Okay, so I know where I want to go. I, I've got that outcome clearly delineated. And then you, you have a three-step process that you like to use and I've learned to use that isn't real common I think for people in creating visions but talk about that those three steps and and why they're important well this relates to the way we began which is challenging the problem solution paradigm inherent in that is pushing towards a goal now in this approach you establish your goal at the beginning and it draws you towards it so you're pulled towards a compelling vision instead of pushing towards a result you want. Now that's very important to say before I articulate the three steps. Because so let, let me just let me just yeah. kind of think through that. So one feels like there's a, a whole lot more efforting. I am yeah. pushing towards yeah. a goal. Yeah, picture a rock. You're pushing it up the mountain. Right. <laughs> what a joy. Uh, the the <laughs> the other side of that is you're saying is you've created a vision 
You're clear enough on the outcome, and it's compelling enough to where it, there's actually some kind of magnetic yeah. draw that is yeah. pulling you. Yeah, and this is very practical. It's very, very well proven. I remember reading about a doctor who was struggling to convince one of his patients to quit smoking. And finally, he said, uh, you have a daughter, right? Yeah. Well, would you like to see her graduate from college? And he said, well, what do you mean? So if you don't quit smoking, you're going to die, and you won't see her graduating from college. And the doctor described witnessing his patient imagining what it would be like to be there when his daughter graduated from college. He quit smoking that day. Interesting. So the, 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 the vision, the, the motivation, you could say, that was in that vision was compelling enough to where it became obvious for him what he needed to do. He got in touch with what he wanted. He didn't know until then. It was just vague. So the three steps begin with uh, the first one is to say it. In other words, come up with a few words that describe what the fulfilled goal would be. Uh, I got the raise. So My wife that, and I renewed our vows. So you're saying that, though, as if it had already happened. That is the key. We go into the future in our imagination, past the point that we're aiming for, and we reflect back on our success. So future casting. Future casting, exactly. Yeah. Well, in some ways, it is future casting. And in other ways, it's back casting. Yeah, right, because you've gone to the future and you're looking <laughs> yeah, back. Right, it just depends <laughs> where you are yet. But the key is to, instead of pushing towards a goal, to establishing a magnetic vision that pulls you towards it. And the first step is to say it just in a few words, what it is this man would have said if he was using our process, I'm standing witnessing my daughter having graduated from college. Hmm. Right? Now, yeah, that's yeah. very different than I want to live long enough to see my daughter graduate. He's actually having a visceral experience of what that will feel like. Now, the, the second step is to picture it, to see it. You say it, and then you see it. So he would go... Uh, I'm standing in a big crowd of people. I was sitting, but the minute I heard my daughter's name, I, I jumped to my feet. My wife is beside me. We're both in tears. People are cheering. I'm looking up. I see my daughter. She looks so radiant and happy. I'm so proud of her. So bringing in as many senses as possible. And now he's starting to talk also about feeling, about feeling Which proud is the third and, step. He, yeah. he, he identifies how he feels. Now, this is not how would I feel. That's kind of where you begin, but where you get to is how am I feeling? In that future moment. In that future moment. It's it, quite a game. Well, it, it is. And, and we've talked about this before. Um, this is a process that's actually been utilized by athletes a lot for, for years, where they, I, I saw uh, during the Olympics, uh, some of the snowboarders in particular, they caught them standing there before doing their run. And they, they knew, had talked to him and said, oh, okay, look, he's visualizing his run. Right. He's seeing himself go through each yeah. thing. It's, yeah. His body is actually yeah. going through the, the feelings and the sense of success. He's seeing himself land this jump, yes. whatever it yes. might be. And the, the beautiful thing about it is from what we learn from brain science is our mind, when it's had that real of a felt experience, doesn't know that it hasn't already happened. Exactly. And this is the secret that superachievers know. 
they, there's often these ads that show up here and there. Learn the, the insider secrets for making money, for having the perfect relationship, etc. Learn what they don't want you to know, that kind of thing. Right, right. Well, we would like everybody to know this, <laughs> right? Because it's a better way to live. I mean, anyone who's golfed has had the experience of standing on the tee where a water hazard is right there and thinking, do not hit the ball in the water. <laughs> do not hit the ball in the water. You take a swing and the ball goes directly in the water. Right. It's because all your subconscious heard was water, water. <laughs> yeah, and ball goes, in water. <laughs> yes, master, I will obey. Our subconscious is our servant. It's there to help us create what we would like, what we want in the world. So we need to know what we want. What we want is not, I don't want to go into the water. What we want is, I want to go in the fairway. Right. There's a big difference between those two. I'm seeing myself land the ball perfectly on the fairway. I love how it's positioned. Yes. So I'm not even I'm not even thinking about the water hazard. I'm just thinking about where I want it to go. Exactly. You're emphasizing what you want. Vision You're first. focusing on what you want, not on what you don't want. Yeah. Now there's there's a, a you know people with uh, hypnosis and so on, self hypnosis and and therapists and neuro linguistic programmers will all say the subconscious mind can't comprehend a negative. Yes. So, you know, don't think of monkeys. Well, immediately what you think of is monkeys. <laughs> exactly. Right? Right. And so because it, like you said, it gloms on to uh-huh. that, that image. Now, there's part of this that you're talking about that I, I learned from somebody. This is an age-old secret, as I was told. Uh, a lot of people pay a lot of money for this age-old secret. And we're giving it away free today. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was the, uh, the, the idea or the notion that having the vision and saying it and seeing it is super important. And that whole idea of future casting. Mm-hmm. But the other thing they emphasized, and, and I had kind of forgotten about this till you and I met, that there was this real sense of feeling mm-hmm. that feeling of mm-hmm. what it is feeling like with me being in the future yeah. is one of the most important pieces of this. The emotion is what motivates us. It's not a mental thing. You know, when that gentleman I mentioned imagined being alive to witness his daughter graduating right, from college, right. he was living in the feeling of that, the pride how happy he would be. It was the emotion that caused him to quit smoking. So if, if I'm, let's say I've imagined uh, a goal for myself, mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten real clear on what it is, I've, I've set it, I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm future and backcasting, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, seeing myself in the future, looking back at it, having been accomplished, and I, I see it, I draw in all these uh, senses, I, I, what it smells like, where, maybe where I am when I realize it's accomplished, and then I, I feel it really powerfully. Now, from what I hear you saying, that feeling then becomes like a compass. It is how we navigate. It becomes our true north, and we're no longer willing to compromise our direction. So to- We know where we're going, and where we're going is not necessarily to Chicago. I mean, that may be where mm. we think we're going, but we, we actually want something else. What is it that we're going to Chicago for? I mean, there's, there's other layers to this. So unlike a lot of um, intentional processes that are taught, visioning processes, we don't emphasize the physical goal because we acknowledge that there are millions of other factors involved that are not under our control. So 
we can get as detailed as we like, we can be disciplined about visioning some particular goal, the apple cart could get upset. Now, does that mean we failed? Well, not necessarily, because did we stay true to that feeling compass, and what was our experience along the way? So uh, here's an example that popped into my mind that might illustrate that for people. Um, it is said that uh, Thomas Edison uh, had like 999 tries, th theoretically, before he finally landed on the one that gave him the light bulb. Mm -hmm. Now, had he gotten all wrapped around the idea of that one version right. of it, and it didn't work, he mm -hmm. could have given up and went, well, that doesn't work. But his vision was, was broader than that. He wanted to illuminate the world. He wanted to create something that shed light into a room. So the way he actually described it was, I, did, I wasn't discouraged at all. I just knew that was one more method that didn't work. Yes, it's a terrific example. And how I've heard the story is he said, I never failed to, to a reporter because the reporter said, well, you failed a thousand times. He said, no, I have never failed. I have always succeeded to prove how it doesn't work. <laughs> so you can see his mindset. Sure. His mindset is, I am successful. And he just kept discarding what didn't fully fulfill his image of success. That's that's interesting, and, and now there's there's a process in this that we describe as proof of vision. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit because there's a couple of different ways to look at proof of vision. Yes, and I'm going to start with probably the most difficult one because I have a personal story to to tell. I've been involved in developing a particular conference, and you know, did all my customary visioning work, etc. And it didn't turn out at all the way I wanted it to. And I had identified my feeling, gone through all these steps. And so in the aftermath, as I was realizing that this had gone off the rails, quote unquote, knowing this process pretty well, I asked, well, what else then? Like, okay, I'm no longer going to Chicago using that metaphor. Where am I going? And I found that I had actually a tremendous amount of creative energy that had been generated developing this event that I immediately began pouring into another project. And this other project is just taking off as if I had been working on it. That's, that's interesting. So, 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 so yeah. this is answering your question yeah. about proof of vision. My vision is proving to be true even though the physical uh, idea didn't turn out the way I imagined. Well, so w I guess that goes back to what was it you were hoping to accomplish yeah. by way of the conference? Well, and that's it. And I was tuned into it was a quality of experience, certain understandings. And really what happened is I didn't change course. Other people did. I've kept going on course. It's like it's like uh, life, if you will, and other people moved that project out of the way so yeah. you could stay on course. And I can see that it's really valuable to me that this has happened. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that makes sense. So there's another um, uh, way that sometimes is called proof of vision, and I know it goes into a different aspect of visioning that we'll probably cover in more detail. But it's that step that Okay, I've, I've gone through those steps, I've got this feeling, and now I'm going to walk out of, let's say, my office where I envisioned this, 
and I'm going to do one thing mm -hmm. that actually puts that into motion. It could mm -hmm. be the simplest of things. It could be a phone call, an email, uh, saying hi to my neighbor, whatever it is. I'm going to do something purposeful that engages that process. You've just named the difference, the difference maker. A lot of this stuff, this visioning work, fails because people don't put it into action. Other times it fails because people get too complicated with the actions. They'll say, okay, I'm going to build a website. <laughs> well, that's not right. an action. That's a series of a whole lot of actions. So we really recommend that a person clarify what they want, get, get really clear, do this process of saying it, seeing it, feeling it, and then picking one simple action that they can do that is vision-led, and then one simple step at a time, they can move towards the, the fulfilled vision. Right. So it's not magical in that sense. It's actually very practical. You, you do have a to-do list. There are things to do, but they're vision-led. They're filled with this energy that you've created. So when we were talking about um, infusing our values into everything we do in order to really increase the, the quality of our life, you could say, and our interactions, what we're also talking about is infusing vision into the activities we're doing mm -hmm. so that those activities, we stay, we continue to stay in touch with the feeling of the vision fulfilled. Yeah, Because otherwise, uh, sometimes you know how you get burdened down with the task list right. and you lose sight of what in the heck are we doing this for. And right. what you're saying is, is it's really important to keep that feeling present and regenerating it, re-walking through the say it, see it, feel it if I need to, so that I stay current with not just what I think the end goal is, but what am I really seeking to fulfill by doing this. Well, and another great example of this, about 30 years ago, I worked with a young man who was part of a project out of Harvard. They were working on the SALT negotiations with the right, former right. USSR. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. And he, this friend told me some amazing stories about how his colleagues, uh, Roger Fisher, Bill Urey, they wrote the book uh, Getting to Yes, led the negotiations by establishing a vision of what everybody wanted and then working from their different positions to get there. Now that's utilizing what we're talking about, putting the vision first. But the interesting part of the story is that they were still deadlocked. They were getting nowhere until one of the Americans brought over to Moscow a Cabbage Patch doll. Now that'll date this, when were Cabbage Patch dolls around 30, 40 years ago. And he gave it to Arbatov who was the grim-faced negotiator for the Soviets, nobody had ever seen this man smile. They doubted if he was capable of smiling. <laughs> he was so grim. And the American uh, envoy said, here, I know you have a granddaughter, Katya was her name. I thought she might enjoy this. That cracked open the negotiation. It was, it was the equivalent of seeing the daughter graduate. Exactly. They connected with some kind of feeling that they shared across cultures, across ideologies, across positions. That is a huge key to negotiating difficult problems. And in some way, that ended up in a Sting song. Um, if you recall this, one of his lyrics of his songs is, And the Russians Love Their Children Too. That's exactly right. That could have been written about this particular event because they all realized that if there was nuclear war, their children would die. And yeah. they all loved their children, they loved their grandchildren, and that is what cracked open their, their dispute. That's interesting. So the, the, the whole idea then is, is really starting to get clear on what it is I do want, 
say it, see it, and really feel it. Mm-hmm. Keep that feeling alive, mm-hmm. and then connect my actions to that, mm-hmm. and so that step it, by step, small step by actions. Step. That's where we get very methodical and very practical. We don't want our listeners to think this is airy-fairy. This is extremely pragmatic. Yeah, then, you know, the, the, uh, uh, I think, other piece you talk about is is really leveraging the power of wonder. Yeah. So, you know, uh, anybody who's read Good to Great understands the, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal and all of those things. And... So the the question is, when is big too big? When it, how do I know whether the vision or goal I'm creating is just really unrealistic and out of my reach? That's a tremendous question, and the way I deal with that is to make sure that I have one that's out of reach. <laughs> I want to move the goalpost so far down the the field and know that I've got something impossible in mind to create a context for everything else I'm doing. So I have some huge overriding vision that, you know, as the BHAG concept goes, it needs to seem impossible. And that makes everything else seem a little bit easier. <laughs> I want to lose five pounds. Well, now suddenly that doesn't seem so hard because my, my vision is that the obesity epidemic in America would end. Right, right. Okay, so that puts it in perspective. And then we get very practical. For instance, a person might be thinking, well, I I want to, uh, I need to make more money. So they might think that they can use this technique and go, okay, well, I'm going to make a million dollars this month. (laughs) Well, their subconscious is never going to believe that. Right. So the test to know whether a big vision is, is reachable is actually within us. We can go, okay, I'm dreaming, I'm visioning that I can get this raise, that blah, 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 whatever it is. Then you just check with yourself. And you can either get a yes, a maybe, or a no. And then you adjust from there. Yeah, that's that's great. So you're basically engaging your own inner BS detector. Exactly. You're calling yourself. And this is a tremendous skill to develop is our own intuition about our lives and about the decisions we're considering. You know, I had uh, I was talking to somebody who was going through a goal-oriented process, and they said that one of the things they, they went through this whole process of imagining it, and they got themselves all feeling it. It was, it was almost like borrowed feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when they really checked in and said, I think it was uh, what their partner said to them, well, that, that sounds really great. Is that what you actually want to do? <laughs> and they, they were like, um. Oh, wow. No, no, it's not. I'm so glad you brought that up because often this kind of conversation tends to lean only towards fulfilling something that we want. Actually, we can use it to determine what we want and what we don't want. And sometimes we will change direction because of this process. Well, so much more to be able to talk about with this. And, and gratefully, we've got a, a, some other aspects of this that we'll cover in the coming weeks. So if you have comments or ideas or stories about visioning process for you, you can reach us at thrivinginbusinessandlife at gmail.com. I'm Christopher Harding. And I'm Will Wilkinson. So glad you're tuning in. We hope the program's of value to you.